I know there, there have been a few people who said, well, wait a minute, you're, you're preaching at the beginning of the service? That messes everything up. And, and so what I've been saying is, I'm doing a seminar on September 25th called Resolving Everyday Conflict. You might, you might want to come over to that. And <laughs> we'll just, okay, that was a bad joke. Um, but sincerely, I uh, appreciate you being here. There's a lot going on. Um, after, the, after the service, we'll have some time together. There's food, there's game on, all kinds of stuff. Hope you can stay afterwards and uh, engage along with us. That being said, uh, anyone who was around 20 years ago remembers the event that took place on 911. With respect to that day, I remember going into the office. The secretary had a television uh, in her office and was watching the news, which was something that, that wasn't common. So I walked in to Lucinda's office and, and asked what was going on, and she pointed me to the television. And we watched as the first tower came down and the second tower was crashed into. If you were a part of that day, if you uh, were around on that day, you remember exactly where you were when you heard the news. And that still is affecting us even today. Many people lost their lives. Uh, Many families have been changed forever. And it's affected us as a nation. And so what I'd like to do is take just a few moments before we go into the sermon, before we go into our time, and I I just want to pause for a moment of quiet, just reflection and and prayer. And then after a little bit of time, I'm going to pray, uh, and then we're going to jump into the Word. And just so you're aware of I guess the intention of my heart in all of this is I want to, I want to see revival in the land. Like I, I think that's what Jesus wants, is for people to love him and to know him and walk closer with him. So that, that, that's the, the focus of my prayers, and I just want to encourage you to take some time now and to pray. Lord God, we reflect on life 20 years ago. And what happened 20 years ago uh, shook us to our core. And I remember, Almighty God, how that next Sunday (laughs) there were full churches. And I remember, Lord, how hungry we were for you in those days. And so, Lord, first of all, I ask for forgiveness that we've at times lost our first love. And, Lord, we've allowed other things to get in the way of you. And so, Lord, I, I would pray, one, for these families that are still dealing with the loss of loved ones and how that has affected and, in some cases, infected families in some very difficult ways, Holy Spirit of God, would you, would you be near and dear to those families? And in these days, as they reflect on this anniversary of an awful tragedy, Lord, I, I would also uh, pray for us today that you would awaken something deep within us that can only be awakened by your Spirit. 
that in a very real way, Holy Spirit, you would have your way with each of us individually and for all of us corporately, that we would, if there's any calibrating that needs to happen, that you would, in a very real way, calibrate our hearts back to you, that if we are going off course, that you would bring us back on course, that if we are missing what you have for us, Lord, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. And Lord, as we enter into Uh, your word today. And as we consider the power of your word and the purpose and point of your word, Lord, I would pray that you you would give us, even this day, your presence in such a way that we would experience life. And that that would be abundant life and that that wouldn't be a drummed up type of life that we imagine, but Lord, a, a life that is anchored in you, that is found in you, Lord, we remember what you have done. We remember your work at the cross. We remember your work, Lord, not, not, just, not just at the cross, but you rose from the grave and you've extended life to anybody who would call on you. Lord, let us, let us lean into that. Let us experience that even today. And it's in your son's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. And all God's people said, Amen. There we go. We're at creation in the cross. And, and here's the idea, that sometimes uh, we forget the foundational things. And so our hope is to look at this message that God has given us in his word and how he's woven it throughout history and connected it uniquely to the cross that we could have life. And our hope in throughout this series is that we would see Jesus maybe from some different angles. That we would see Jesus uh, in, in such a way that it would be maybe new and fresh. Maybe revealing some things about our own souls that we need to know. We need to recognize and that we can experience God uh, the way that God intended So that's our hope as we jump into this passage. We're in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. By the way, we're going to go all the way through chapter 2, verse 3. But we're just highlighting those areas. I didn't want you to think we're going to read all of those verses here together um, at once right now. But we, we are going to look at the first day. And then from there, we're going to look into the first day and go, okay, so uh, what, what do we learn about the beginning and from the beginning, what, what do we get out of that? And we're going to walk slowly through it together. In the end, we're going to be led to God's rest. And that in God's rest, we have a gift. And there's going to be a challenge to receive that gift. And then we're going to participate together in communion. That's the flow of things. Hope you're ready. We're going to jump in and engage. We're in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. If you're not there, if you did bring your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and get those out underline, highlight your Bible. Just don't ever mark anything out. That's super bad. But you can underline and highlight and write notes off to the side. That's great. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Sometimes 
we look at the scriptures and we say things like, I like to read the word because it makes me feel good. And that's great, if that's true. But that's not the primary purpose of the scriptures. And by the way, we're not the focus of the scriptures. God is. And how God interacts with humankind is a part of the message that we're going to be exploring together. So let's look at the very beginning. The Bible begins with God. I love that. There's no explaining God or like trying to convince us that there is a God. It just starts with the assumption that there is a God. It doesn't go through, in the beginning there's a God. Now let me help you understand why there is a God and here are the proofs of God. And It just starts with, there's God. In the beginning, God. Just so you know, God. I think we need to understand that he is the subject of this book and that this whole message centers on him. And I'm going to present to you today that this message that God has given us uh, that is focused on him is a message of life. And that sometimes culturally, sometimes uh, through our own experience or family dynamics, we, we reject the life that's been extended to us through his word. And we're going to talk about that in the days to come. The Bible begins with God. But it doesn't just be, begin with God. It begins with the creator God. The first verb attached with the, the work of God is created. In other words, God is creative. God is creative. And is, he's creative on purpose. As he creates things, there is a purpose for the things that he creates. It's not just this random creation that doesn't interact within itself. No, every piece of it interacts with other pieces of it, forming the creation that God has given us. And that God is the leader, is over all of creation. And that's an important piece to understand. Because the Bible begins with God. The Bible begins with the creator God. The Bible begins with the creator God creating. In other words, it doesn't just say that God is a creator, that he's creative, but rather that God also is creative with his actions. And one of the things that we're, we're going to identify in just short order is that it, creation doesn't exhaust God. Like God doesn't go, man, that first day, that was tough. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He's still got more in the tank. In fact, he, he can't be exhausted. He is all-powerful. He's all-knowing, and this stuff doesn't, like, take from God. The creator God creates. And let's take a look at that. Because there, there is a flow even of creation. And the first flow is this, and the one through three, is that he's making things. He's making things. He's creating things. This is what it looks like. In day one, light is created and divided from darkness. By the way, that's an interesting uh, comment. When you look at that, every day is identified as good except for the first day. On the first day, it's just light is good, <laughs> not the first day. And some people believe that that's the case partly because God, as, as one of his creative acts, is dividing. This is just an interesting thought. I, I'm, I'm just sharing a thought, that's all. <laughs> Two. Atmosphere is created and divided from the oceans. 
three, land is created and divided from waters. Vegetation is created. These are the things that God is making. And in the first three days, God is, is making these things out of, his own, uh, out, of, out of his own word. With his word, they're created. Let's continue on. The next section is about filling what has been created. So in days four through six, these things are filling what God has created. The sun, moon, and stars created to fill the day. By the way, is it, you know, people get their doctorates in this kind of stuff. How the sun is formed, what, is the, what the sun is made of, those kinds of things. And in the scripture, we only get a couple of verses. Perhaps one of the reasons that we only get a couple of verses about that and a lot of information about humankind and the, the creation of humankind is that that's what's important to God. Yep, made stars. That's great. Moving on. I created you. And I created you in my image. And I want you to know my image because you're special. And in fact, I'm going to give my life that you can have life. And in fact, we'll see that all of creation points us to the fact that God is the extender of life and wants us to have it. So, day five. Creatures created to fill the sky and water. Day six. Creatures created to fill land, man created as pinnacle of creation. Next week, when we get deeper into chapter two, we're going to talk more about the pinnacle of God's creation, uh, and and perhaps uh, learn some something that maybe we overlook. I'll save that for next week. So let's look at the seventh day. God rested, as we've already identified. God didn't need to rest, right? He he didn't have to go take a nap. But we find out later in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 that God is resting as a model for humankind. And in that rest, he expects us to engage God, or engage rather, in resting. And we'll talk in just a moment about what that might look like as well. Continuing on with the basic structure of each day. God said, it was so. God saw that it was good, and it was evening, and it was morning. God said, God speaks things into existence. He uses his words to create. And when he says it, it is so. Uh, I believe it was in the 50s or 60s. There's a study that was done by a statistics class in California. They went through the Bible and they identified 2,500 prophecies that it contained in the scriptures. 2,500. Out of the 2,500 prophecies that are contained in the scriptures, 2,000 have already occurred. So you might say, well, 500 is still a large amount that hasn't happened. And if those don't occur, then maybe the Bible isn't accurate. But those, all of those 500 are based on uh, end times things. In other words, things that haven't occurred yet. The return of Christ and, um, let's see, the return of Christ and the millennial kingdom and that sort of thing. I'm just telling you, if there are 2,000 that have already occurred, the probability of those 500, pretty high, right? Statistically, that's pretty high. 
But what we see is when God speaks it, it happens. Not only when God speaks it, it happens, but also it's good. It's good. And it was evening and it was morning. So what are some takeaways that we can have from this section? God's word is the final authority. I would say that God's word is the top, right? It is the final authority, and God gives authority to government. God gives authority to family. God, there, there are areas where God extends his authority to others, but the bottom line is God's authority is the final authority. It's the ultimate authority, and when God speaks it, it's going to happen. Now, it's also good. Rabbis in the days past did a lot of studies, especially on chapter 1. And one of the things that keeps coming out is this belief that part of, of, of God's purposing in creation is to extend life. They went as far to even say that uh, the very Bible, the Torah, is given to us to extend life. And we see that truth even in the New Testament when Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. That life is the extension of of God's work, and that it's his purpose. One of the problems that we see with that reality is is that sometimes in our own culture, sometimes uh, we have different views. I'll say it this way. In just a few weeks, we're going to talk about the fall in particular. And what I don't think we can ever wrap our head around is the damage that was done at the fall. It is how much damage was done at the fall. That when sin entered the world for the first time and God's creation is suddenly divided from God and his goodness, that there is, there is a crack in the image a shattering of that mirror that doesn't reflect God the way that it was fully intended. And we are, are kind of like fish in the sea trying to describe water. Now oh, we're so used to it. We experience it so much that we just we don't even know that it's there. And perhaps that crack has been that to us. But yet, God's word is good. And life is extended to us through his word. More on that momentarily. So from, from these days in Genesis chapter 1, uh, actually after chapter uh, 1, in the final days of creation, we start to see this division of mankind and God gives some opportunities for people to be with God. One of those opportunities is through the the flood, right? Noah's flood. It was like, okay, we're going to get rid of all that is evil, all that is bad. We're going to start new. All you have to do is get on the ark, and there's just Noah and his family. And then from there, God establishes Israel. And he establishes Israel as this unique uh, nation that the world can look in on and see God at work through the people as God is calling this nation to himself and the world by extension, to himself. Now, as we start to consider that, God also put together some sacrifices. And so these sacrifices, these are things that have to be done to have a right relationship with God. And so work was, uh, was needed to be done. You had to be very purposeful and thoughtful in doing these things to please God. 
but it's just a picture. And on the seventh day, you could rest. But let me pause that for a moment because I, I, I think though we don't, uh, we don't have to do those type of sacrifices today. Those, those are not a part of our system anymore. What we do, however, and perhaps it's just born in us because of the fall, perhaps it's a part of God creating us with purpose, is we like to work. We're doers. I mean, just as a people in general, we, we're doers. We do things. We do stuff. We stay busy. Uh, COVID is a great example uh, of the problems that happen when people are idle. Suicides went up. People got sicker uh, because they were stuck at home. Uh, the, the mental health issues were off the chart. Why? Because they couldn't work. There wasn't any purpose. And why am I doing what I'm doing? What I'm saying is that to rest is really difficult. My dad, uh, for years, I would talk to dad and I, I, my dad and I'd say this kind of stuff. I'd say, dad, we're sinners. And he'd go, yep, I know that. I'd say, dad, we need a savior. And he goes, yep, I know that. I said, dad, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Like he took care of that. And he goes, I know that. I said, dad, what's keeping you from receiving Jesus? And he said, I just need to work a little bit harder. I'm not good enough yet. I'm like, you're missing the point. We're never going to be good enough. We're never going to earn that, dad. And for years, I was like, I was just speaking a foreign language to him. Uh, He just wasn't getting that. I, I I got to work harder. I got to earn God's favor. And one day it clicked. Wait, Kenny, are you saying that there's nothing I can do? Yep. You're saying that I can't go to church enough to earn salvation? Yep. Well, that's what the Bible says. That's not what I'm saying. This is what scripture says. And he said, okay, well, so wait a minute. Are you saying that the only way to heaven is because of what Jesus has already done? I said, dad, you're getting it. And he said, well, well, then I need Jesus. I said, exactly. My point is that for all of us, this idea of work and earning is, is kind of within who we are. And this call to rest is not intuitive. It's not what we think. It's not the way we think. It's not the way we act or behave. It's an interesting study when you look at the religions of the world. All of them have one thing in common. All of them, except one. And this common thing is this, that you have to make a sacrifice to your God. Whatever that is. Sometimes it's a financial sacrifice. Sometimes it's an animal sacrifice. Sometimes there, There are lots of different ways of doing that, but you have to sacrifice to please your God. And in the end, hopefully, you've done enough to please that God. But it's based on your sacrifice. Christianity is the only one where God said, you know what, I got it. I'm going to sacrifice for you. And he comes in the flesh, and he dies on the cross for our sins. He conquers sin and death, and he raises from the grave. And anyone who calls on his name, he gives the right to become children of God and specifically to enter his rest. Jesus is our rest. When we're studying these seven days of creation, and we get to that seventh day and God rested, There is something that is going to be implied. There is is a point here in Scripture that is going to be a continuation given throughout Scripture that's going to call us back to this rest. And the only way to enter this rest is through Jesus. 
we learn from uh, Matthew that Jesus is called uh, the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he's, he's over the Sabbath. But then in Hebrews chapter 4, we get that Jesus actually is our Sabbath. That there's no other way of entering into a rest than through Jesus. And so for you and I today, there is this amazing challenge, and that is to make sure that we have entered into that rest. It's not a rest of not working, but it is a rest of not working for our salvation. That work has been done. That has been given to us. If there is anything that we do on behalf of God or for God or to the glory of God, it's, it's born out of love. It can't be, I'm trying to make you happy, Father. I want to do this to somehow earn my salvation. I want to please you in this. Rather, God, I'm doing this because I love you. And this is what your word says. And I want to do what your word says because I love you. And I know you want to extend life to me. And I want that life because that's part of the reason that you've created me to glorify you. Today, uh, the worship team is going to come here in just a moment. And as they, as they come out, we're preparing our hearts for communion. One of the things I love about communion is this, this idea that we are calibrating our hearts. It, it looks like this. One, communion is for followers of Jesus, those who have surrendered to Jesus, those who are entering into his rest. So, so communion is for the believer. Secondly, communion, we're called to examine our hearts. And it might look like this, just pausing right where you are and saying, Holy Spirit, is there any sin in here? Is there anything that is keeping me from really following you? Would you, would you forgive me of that? That's what examining our hearts before communion might look like. It might also be going to somebody, maybe someone who's even in this room and saying, look, I've wronged you and here's what I did. And I'm sorry. And the Lord has commanded us to participate in communion, so I want to participate in communion, but you need to know that I'm sorry. And if we need to talk more about this, we can talk more about it. But I'm, I'm asking for forgiveness right here today. And this might be a beautiful time to do that. Communion is one of those times of taking the word of God and experiencing the grace that has been extended to us through Jesus and just in a public declaration even saying, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm following you again today. I am following you. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says that if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my father. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Now, he wasn't talking about communion, but I don't know too many more places, too many better places than communion and to experience that, to live that out, to fulfill that. Say, Father, I acknowledge you. I love you. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it has changed my life, and I'm participating with you again today. If you're new here or you weren't here last week, you'll see that there's a new setup. There are two stations in the corner, and we ask that those of you that are on this side participate over there, and those of you on this side participate over here. You'll also recognize that there are carpeted areas. Those carpeted areas, in just a few moments, will encourage you to go to the exit or come toward communion in the carpeted area, and then get both the bread and the cup and return to your seat. You'll notice that... Uh, 
today, the bread has been placed in a cup, and then there's a cup for the juice. Those are separated, and those are separate. We ask you to take both of those, and you might be wondering, why would you put bread in a cup, in an empty cup? Great question, but the simple answer is, so that we don't have everybody grabbing a bunch of, you get it, okay. The other thing that I would ask is that you'll notice there'll be some points of bottlenecking, right? So some points where we're going forward for communion and there are other people. Here's what we get to do. One, be nice. <laughs> that's the first thing. Uh, we, re- we extend the grace that's been given to us. Hey, you can go ahead of me. That's great. Oh, no, you go first. Oh, thank you. That, that sort of thing. And then once you, get, once you get the bread and the cup to return back to your seat, we'll give you a few moments right where you are uh, to examine your heart and then to participate. And then if you would hold the bread in the cup until I come back in just a couple of songs, uh, we'll, we'll participate together. If you're here today and you can't get up from your spot, uh, whatever reason, I don't even need to know that reason, and you just say, I, I need you to serve me right here. If you raise your hand or, or wave me down, I will serve you right where you are. I missed somebody last week. I felt bad about that. So you, you'll have to wave, um, but I'll serve you right where you are. With that in mind, let's take, some, let's take a few moments and just examine our hearts.